Hey there, and welcome to Intrigue Out Loud. We're doing something a little different today. Instead of bringing you a Friday interview with a leading policy expert, you know, a top economist or scholar, really just some of the brightest minds in global politics like we have been, instead of that, we're going to be bringing you an interview with my boss and his friend. <laughs> but but in, in all seriousness, uh, in t- for today's episode, we're going to be featuring our sister podcast, Intrigue Explained, uh, which is co-hosted by Intrigue co-founder John Fowler, who obviously needs no introduction, and Dmitry Grozabinsky, who is a former diplomat, the founder of ExplainTrade.com, and one of the sharpest trade experts on earth. On today's episode, John and Dmitry debate a really fascinating topic. Should governments ban the propaganda channels of their foreign adversaries like Russia Today or Iranian State TV? I think you'll really enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Dimitri. The question of whether we should be in the West banning the media channels of countries that are our foreign adversaries and I know we, we had some definitional discussions before we started. Yeah. John, let's talk about what we are talking about versus what we're not talking about. So one thing I wanted to rule out immediately is platforms that aren't themselves content creators. So, for example, TikTok is a fascinating debate, but I don't think it's what we're discussing today because TikTok doesn't make its own content Uh it that and the app itself is something that people have issues with over and above the content on it. So I think let's move that out the of people scope. Of, good people of Montana who recently just passed a ban on TikTok in the state would disagree with you, but uh, it's not entirely clear to me how they're going to ban TikTok. But yes, I completely agree with you. It's it's a different beast to a publishing content, yep. news, whatever provider. That doesn't mean necessarily like we you shouldn't ban TikTok. But no, no, no. just for the purposes of this discussion, we'll shove it to the side. But it's just not part of this conversation, yeah. And then we had a bit of a discussion before we started. We want to rule in both overtly government-run foreign adversary media channels and ones where, you know, maybe the ownership is ostensibly private, but there is a sense that a foreign adversarial government is pulling the strings, calling the shots, that kind of thing. Is that fair, John? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's right. So, I mean, this is a difficult, difficult definitional thing to get your head around, which, you know, I don't want to... It takes me back to my days of schoolboy debating where you spend about 90% of the debate defining the Oxford Dictionary meaning of, you know, whatever. But but more seriously, I think um, it is interesting because, you know, the BBC is technically taxpayer-funded, state-run, or at least very, very heavily state influenced. But I don't think anyone who's serious would say that the BBC is what most people mean when they say state news or state media, right? We're thinking more there about the Global Times or the People's Daily in China or RT, to your point, in Russia or, you know, the, whatever, the I forget the name of the one in North Korea or Iran or these kinds of things. And there are so many areas of gray, like what what is a technically an independent news organization that has government oversight on its editorial board versus one that is just genuinely like propagandist. So we'll talk around those issues. And I think there's a lot of gray, but um, I, I guess I'm, I'm so I'm going to take the no, we shouldn't ban it position. Um, and I think the first point to make there, I, I'm really, this isn't. 
we've ruled out TikTok, but in a way it is a similar argument of how do free and open societies deal with this inherent vulnerability that non-free adversarial or uh, authoritarian, whatever you want to call them, these kinds of regimes can take advantage of that freedom and that ability to do, you know, whatever you want, really. They can take advantage of that and do real harm. That That's the overlying question of like, how do you manage your own freedom without being taken advantage of? And, you know, there are pl- plenty of places to draw that line. One of them is foreign state-owned media. But I think the point that I would start to make is that where do you, we've just talked about the grayness and the kind of ambiguity. Where do you draw the line? I think Twitter has seen a massive problem with labeling these kinds of things. If you ban RT, do you ban um, the dissident? What I, you'll, you'll remind me the dissident, um, Mo, is it Moscow News or the, the one that's run out of Lithuania or wherever it is that was previously in Moscow and presumably it was independent, but presumably they had to play by the rules to not get you know, not get in trouble with the Russian government. And then until the war, then they left and obviously went, you know, a different direction. I think Medusa might be the name of it. Um, you know, I know in China, there some former friends of mine who used to run a newspaper called Sixth Tone, which did some fantastic kind of independent reporting around cultural issues and whatnot. Um, and they heavily worked with the Public Security Bureau and the censors in China to make sure they weren't going to piss anyone off. Now, is that... Would you ban those folks? I, I think the first point I'd make is just like, where do you draw the line? And I don't think it's possible to draw a line. So you're better off not drawing one. I guess my counterpoint to that is that almost any policy involves some arbitrary drawing of lines. Why is the voting age 18, uh, you know, and not 17 months, 17 years, 11 months? You know, why is 0.5 blood alcohol level safe to drive, but 0.06 isn't? Sure. There are going to be line ball calls, and we are going to get some of them wrong. Uh, We are going to revisit some. At times, we will go too far. At times, we will not go far enough. To the examples that you've cited, whether it's Medusa, there was Rain TV going for a while. Rain, yeah. When 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 I talk to some of my Ukrainian friends who understandably are incredibly, uh, incredibly invested in, in this conflict, they, their view is kind of ban everything. Uh, if, it, if it's being made by a Russian person anywhere, it is a tool of Russian imperialism and it has overtones of Russian imperialism. So if you ask them, they would say ban everything, whereas others would say, you know, Rain TV was quite critical of the war. So there are going to be debates, there are going to be line ball calls, I don't necessarily think the fact that we will have to make some arbitrary judgments is in and of itself a reason not to do this, especially because when you are talking and you sort of tease this, I think you tried to frame it as kind of a free speech kind of issue. And I'm, I'm careful I don't think not that's to use necessarily that word though, what it's... this is. No, I don't think. Well, it's not a free speech issue in the sense of like what people mm-hmm. love to bang on about it, but it is a but it is a cultural value question of of basically like being allowed to say and do and you know find viewpoints across the spectrum without a an, a government or someone in a position of power making those decisions for you so it's i don't want to call it free speech because i hate how people devolve like have a have no understanding of what that actually means and b how it devolves into just everyone screaming at each other but i but i do think it it is sort of one and the same in the idea of 
we don't ban stuff we don't like. We That's not what our cultural and societal values do. And I think we've learned over a long period of time that one, I, I accept your point about you have to draw a line somewhere. I think the, the pushback on that is who draws that line and where do they draw that line? And we, we don't... The, all the questions you've made, uh, all the points you've made about where we like, you know, situations that we do draw lines in society, we have very clear mechanisms for doing it and their accountability and they're able to be changed through votes. It's not clear to me that banning state or foreign media sources is the same kind of thing. Like it's done in America, at least by order of executive action. Now, I guess you can remove a president, but let's be realistic. Like, let's be realistic. These things aren't going to change. If RT is banned in the US, it's going to stay banned for a long time. Um, and there are people making those decisions who are unaccountable. So I think that's one issue. And I don't think it's a, the biggest issue, but it does lend some sort of uh, weight to my uncomfortableness with banning or like governments banning things in free societies because we don't like the content. And the second point to make on that there is it, we know it doesn't work. We know that banning, in, particularly in the era of the internet, banning state media from being able to broadcast into an American um, cable provider or onto the internet, it doesn't work. The people who are going to find this stuff find it anyway. We know that on Facebook. We know it's whack-a-mole. So what you are giving up is you're giving power to the government to kind of censor what you hear from abroad. And again, that matters where you draw the line. And secondly, we know it doesn't stop people who want to find this stuff finding it. It just kind of gives the illusion of safety without it actually being true. So I think two points, and I want to take them both because I think they're both really important. On maybe let's take the government kind of deciding what we can and can't see. I disagree that the government doesn't already do that. There is an established principle. I can't screen a snuff film at 3 p.m. on CNN. The censors would step in and stop me. We as a society, almost anywhere, almost everywhere, have made the decision that certain forms of certain forms of content are harmful to consumers. And it is appropriate for the government to curtail either entirely or to heavily segment where and how they are displayed on public broadcast channels. And I think there is, uh, while I appreciate it's kind of a sociological argument and you can argue it many different ways, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that some of the content on channels like RT, which is explicitly explicitly and strategically designed to divide Western societies, to lie in ways that turn them against each other, to advent, to basically degrade uh, Western society and Western institutions, are could be viewed as in the same category of harm as explicit pornography or uh, other forms of content that we censor. So I don't, you can absolutely debate whether that's an appropriate well, that's an appropriate comparison, but what I guess I would push back on is the idea that just because there would be some arbitrary choices involved or just because the very act of the government stepping in and saying, you can't put that on the ABC, that that is somehow unthinkable and egregious because I think we do it all the time. So that's kind of on, on that argument. On the accessibility argument, uh, I actually don't necessarily um, 
uh, agree that people will, some people will certainly find it anyway. Um, you know, some people, somebody pointed out that, you know, people in Australia sometimes commit gun crimes, even though guns are illegal, people manage to find guns. But for example, if you look at the audiences of the two right-wing hosts that preceded Tucker in that slot on Fox News, Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck, they both retained some audience when they were kicked off this massive platform of a cable news site that was beamed into people's homes and dental surgeries, but it completely fell off a cliff. You know, it, it was them in their basement with a thing. And yes, you can find them on YouTube when they don't get kicked off YouTube. But like the, the number of people who can, who will access that content, deplatforming kind of worked on those guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a different, I mean, it's not different, but it's, there is a different element to that given that Fox News is kind of, that's a distribution question, which I suppose you're still arguing that, you know, RT shouldn't be distributed into homes and dental surgeries. I'm glad, I'm glad that you raised Fox News because I think that's my, th my third, one of my third biggest points is that it feels arbitrary then to define based on private or public ownership because all the things you just said that RT does, and we're using RT as a proxy for general overseas adversary, state-owned propaganda-ish news, news outlets. But there are a lot of people who will argue that Fox News does pretty similar things, divides the American country, it pits people against each other, it tries to actively undermine institutions that aren't working for it. Um, and, you know, let me be generous because, you know, uh, whatever, let's go even further to the, to the side and say OAN or any of these other networks that have cropped up that are even more extreme than... than and people on the other side of the spectrum would say that about MSNBC. And exactly. And, and like, Young Turks and there's, and there's plenty... Stephen Colbert or something. It's not, exactly. it's not a left versus right argument so much as a pitting each other, pitting against each other media argument. And, and this stuff happens internally. It happens in countries we agree with. GB News in the UK. Like there's, there's plenty of this stuff going on without needing to ban RT. So where where do you draw the lines there? You, you've kind of said RT, RT's content should be banned because it's specifically designed to divide Western societies. Is the, is the fact that they're Russian passport holders the, the biggest problem then? And then does that mean that our, our media companies can divide our societies happily but they just have to be holding a passport of their own country is that like where do you draw the line there today's show is sponsored by flavier flavier helps you curate your home bar with the classic the crafty and the rare gem spirits that match your personal taste you can sample and train your palate with themed tasting sets which are guaranteed to help you find your new favorites flavier is the best way to experience the spirit of exploration. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. I think the distinction there, and I appreciate it is a fine one, but I do think it is there, is that Fox News is depending on how you, how generous you want to be, either a purely commercial enterprise that is simply trying to craft the message that it thinks will sell with a certain segment of the American uh, of the American public, or you can argue it is fundamentally following the, the. It's an American corporation that is being steered by the Murdoch family, who are, I guess Australian, but at least sort of Australia is not an, a foreign government adversary. 
RT is not fundamentally a commercial enterprise making commercial decisions, though it makes some. It is explicitly carrying out the will of an adversarial power. And I do think that there is a distinction between those two things. Um, fundamentally, Americans arguing about conflicting visions for what America should be as part of American commercial or privately held enterprises, for me, is different than Russia or China or someone else trying to push a narrative of what they would prefer the US to be because it suits their domestic mm. interests. So, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I think I think it's, it's just such a fine line and it feels arbitrary to me. And I know this is a point that you're going to disagree with and, and rightly so because you have more understanding of this, but I know a lot of conflict journalists, at least a couple who will explicitly say that the RT does accurate and needed reporting on things like American war crimes in the Middle East and Central Asia, places where they have their influence, they have their contacts, they have an incentive to report it because they, you know, as you said, they are state directed, all that kind of stuff. But American war crimes aren't getting reported by American news outlets. Fox News is, is as aligned with the American government on that issue as, you know, the RT is aligned with the Kremlin on reporting American war crimes. So, Again, banning RT is in some way limiting the free and fair exchange of information that that that, that our societies are premised on. I, I think what this comes down to is essentially like you're not trusting the American people or the British people or the Australian people or whatever it is to be able to understand the difference between bullshit and not. And like I, I think it gives the RT a lot more power to say it's so dangerous. We must ban it rather than like these guys are total cranks. They are saying complete nonsense. They are one channel that is going to give you some, you know, crankish, cranky views, like real weird stuff. You've, you've, you look out the window and you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't look like the America or the Australia or the the Great Britain that I see. Um, I'm also, I've been watching the BBC or MSNBC, whatever it is, for so long that I feel like it just does people a disservice to say. It's so dangerous you can't hear it. And then also throws the baby out with the bathwater by saying like, maybe there are some things that they do well that people need to hear about that aren't happening here. And I appreciate that's an emotionally difficult argument to under, to like get behind because it's like, oh yeah, RT, we should be listening to them because they've got good things to say. But we have to be open to the idea that they will be right sometimes. And banning them means that you're kind of limiting where you get your information from. And that's something I'm never a fan of. Yeah, I'd say a couple of things on that. I think, you know, investigative journalists, great. Uh, my personal preference is that, you know, somebody funded Vice properly so they didn't have to lay off all of their journalists. Um, I think there are plenty of Western journalists who do go when you say after... someone funded Vice, who, like that's us. No one reads it because we well, don't want it. to. Well, well, so this is, this is part of the issue. Um, so my, my preference is that we had a healthy functioning ecosystem so that the thousands of journalists in the West who are committed to uncovering the truth, even when it's uncomfortable for their host governments could actually do their jobs. Um, that would be, that's kind of just an aside. That would be nice. I would secondly say that the problem with RT uncovering American war crimes is that because if you watch RT, everything is an American crime. 
up to and including the things that Wagner is currently doing in, you know, they, they will show pictures of Aleppo and then say, look what the US did. So that when RT does uncover some kind of genuine, genuine signs of crime, it's, it's hard to pass what's real and what's not because everything they blast out comes from that agenda. So I think they undervalue the work of their own reporters because would you trust something on RT? I mean, no, but like, I, what are you so, like, what are we so scared about? Like, are we scared that half of, half of America is going to believe that like actually Russia is a really good place and that Ukraine is, is, is a place that uh, should have been invaded because it was full of Nazis. Like you've got enough Americans who are saying that anyway without, RT, without having to ban RT. I mean, forty-six percent of Americans are believe that the election was stolen from Trump, right? Without Russian interference, and like, and you know, you can get into like the Russian nonsense, but like, but, they- but my point is that they believe that because that's what they have been told by a media ecosystem, despite no shortage of voices in America saying, hey, this isn't true. So clearly you can, via a media ecosystem or via well-produced persuasive techniques, convince people of things that are fairly absurd, being fact-checked and countered every day on other channels. Clearly this stuff works. And this argument that, oh, you know, um, we should just trust in the wisdom and yada, yada, yada. Clearly there are some... There have to be some limits to that. If we were actually at war with Russia, like if US, if the US and, and Russia were in a shooting war, there would be no question we would ban RT. I think there would be a, a question. I, I, I don't think- I, I, would, I would make the exact same arguments that I'm making now you, about you think- that. I would, I would say, I would say people can, can, can in, in, a, in a modern digital ecosystem, people can convince themselves of whatever the hell they want. They're going to find whatever the hell they want from a domestic market and that banning foreign state-run media outlets or whatever we, whatever we decide to define them as only makes them more powerful, only makes their, um, like makes them lose grip on reality in the sense that they have to kind of vaguely be sensible to American audiences because they want to kind of be believed. And doesn't achieve anything. It literally, like, you will still find people parroting that stuff anyway. I, I, I just, I think what I, I feel like what what it is is, and, and in no way I'm do I disagree with what you're saying, but like, it feels a very emotional argument to be like they ban us, they control the ecosystem. So why would we let them take advantage of our freedom? Because they're just pumping filth in. And I think one of the biggest things that we're grappling with in, and I'm again I'm using all of this like general terms, but like free societies, is that it doesn't feel good to stick to these kinds of principles that have defined Western society for, let's say, you know, since the enlightenment, it doesn't feel good to stick to them when people are trying to actively take advantage of them. But we can't beat authoritarian organizations at their game. We can't control a media or ecosystem like they can. People will get around it. People will find their own views. You've just said, you know, 46% of people don't believe that Trump lost the election. That's because an American presidential candidate refused to say he lost an election and Fox News said no you didn't lose it good on you and that's and that's like that's not RT's doing that 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 happens anyway so banning it doesn't achieve anything but it does make us lose part of what we are which is okay yep good or bad all the information's there take responsibility for it and figure out what you believe and if you if you believe that Russia 
is a great place and it invades Ukraine. Well, that's that's kind of what it means to live in a free society. I don't agree with you. And I think it's, you know, if you act on anything, if you do something illegal, like, you know, supply arms to Russia, or if you do things that you're not allowed to do by law, that's a different question. But consuming, having the wrong opinions about what's going on in Ukraine is not a crime and it shouldn't be a crime and you should be allowed to think what you want as uncomfortable and as upsetting and as ridiculous as that is and i think the minute you start going down banning organizations it's a it's a it's a risky it's a risky place to go that's my view well, listen i hear you and as i said at the start i'm conflicted about this as well i guess where i come down on it is firstly i agree we shouldn't necessarily be we shouldn't be banning people for having an opinion and if an american wants to unilaterally start a youtube show where he says that you know ukraine's not a real country or we should all be speaking Mandarin because the CCP is the glorious leadership of the future or whatever, then yeah, they're entitled to that opinion and the government should not be coming down on them. But where I draw a distinction is that we know that there is literally a concept called information warfare. That is literally something that, you know, like cadets are studying at West Point. And we are allowing foreign governments to wage informational warfare on us, as you said, unilaterally, because they don't, they block our every attempt to do it in even, even in passive ways, you know? CNN doesn't wake up in the morning and decide it's gonna wage information warfare on the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party just doesn't want certain kinds of broadcasts uh, within their space. But setting that aside, if, by allowing this, we are basically saying this is a type of warfare we will we are comfortable with you waging on our citizens, and we are going to do nothing about it, even though we know your intentions are malicious and that you are following the following the instructions of a government that means our interests harm. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't disagree. And that's the strongest pitch. I can yeah, make. I I don't disagree that it's information warfare, but I would just say that like. I don't think I don't think therefore not banning it means allowing it to happen. I think there are myriad tools to fight against disinformation and misinformation without going against the core fundamental values of our societies, which is freedom of information and the ability to like read and think and do what you want within you know like past laws, you know legal boundaries. Um, and as you said, cadets are training how to how to identify it and and debunk it. We see. Bill Burns at the CIA, I think, basically open up or invent a whole new brand of kind of military intelligence information, let's call it de-warfare or pushback against warfare um, by saying we're going to pre-bunk things. Like those are the tools that we can ha we have, that we can continue to develop and that we can continue to educate folks on to, to fight the information warfare. But in, in a way, it's like... I. <laughs> A terrible analogy would be like in, in physical kinetic warfare, Russians bomb the shit out of cities and, 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 you know, level civilian targets. Does that mean because they're doing that to our cities, we should do it to their cities? No, you, we, you fight back in different ways. Just because they're using information warfare and they ban us, do we fight back by banning them? No, we have different 
more nuanced tools that are more culturally aligned, more societally aligned with how we have chosen and believe the best systems are. And the minute you start doing things that like undermine the fundamental nature of Western open societies, you start to degrade Western open societies. When you start to say, we'll ban this, but not that, we'll ban this and not that. It's, it really is. And I hate slippery slope arguments because they're really like lazy, but it is giving the tools to people in charge of us to make decisions on our behalf that we aren't really sure about. And 50 years, I don't know where that is. Yeah, I guess I just come back to this point that we've already given them that authority in a number of ways. For me, this yeah, is a debate about what what is whether we classify a foreign government's mouthpiece that is trying to destroy our society uh, to, to, to boost the another country whether we can classify that in the same category of damaging as other things and i think that's a contentious um contentious point i i should say maybe this would be a good place to wrap up something we didn't talk about is some of those other tools you could potentially use whether those are warning labels the kind of community notes twitter has whether fact you know robust fact checking is do you set up a channel that literally just mirrors rt but it's just somebody going well that's wrong and here's why (laughs) like you know that you could just switch to that's one channel over all of those things are options but for me they would they're interesting to explore but for me they get into even more arbitrariness even more slippery slopes than than outright bans because they get really messy and complicated and i'm not sure they're effective yeah i to be honest, we've got quite a lot of data that says fact checking just doesn't right. work. I think that's all very, oh, I think that's all very fair, and I don't think there is a silver bullet answer. You know, one of the only things I remember from law school was this idea that like ninety nine percent of the cases that go before a judge are really easy to decide, but it's the one percent that sit in what they call a penumbra of doubt that like reasonable people can really disagree about them and not be wrong. This is one of those issues, and I think when I have always thought about those problems, and and you know there are lots of them. What do you do to solve those problems where I can't say, Dimitri, you're actually really wrong and here's the facts why. I can be like, you have a different opinion to me, but I can't say you're wrong. I always zoom out and go back to the fundamental principles about what makes us, um, again, us is kind of free democratic societies. What makes us free and democratic is that we don't ban things because we don't like them. We find other ways around it and we trust and we educate people to make their own decisions and yeah, like that could be the way that we get marched <laughs> marched off the cliff by the authoritarians in the next 50 years because they successfully overtook our media ecosystems and turned us all into lemmings. But I don't know, I, I, I kind of feel like I'd rather be, I'd rather go that way than have, you know, the American government, which let's again, be very clear, <laughs> has hidden a lot of stuff from a lot of people with a lot of power and has lied to the American people. I'm not comfortable giving them even more power to kind of choose what I see and what I don't. Yeah, I guess a good place to end it is to say, really, this is a choice between two potential bad scenarios that might eventuate two bottoms of a slippery slope yes exactly is the way that the west becomes authoritarian by handing the government ever greater authority to screen what we see in order to protect us from initially foreign influence and eventually who knows or is the way that our society is damaged or hurt 
because we naively allow foreign influence ops unlimited access to our own mass distribution channels with whatever consequences may flow from that. And I, and I, like you were saying, I think reasonable people can disagree on this. I think you and I have proved that deeply unreasonable people <laughs> can disagree on this. Uh, and yeah. I think that's a fantastic place to I think that's a perfect summary of it, Dimitri. Yeah, it's a good place to end because you, you, you summed it all up. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that little change of pace. I don't think I need to add any more color to the analysis there. A huge kudos to John and Dimitri for summing it all up so nicely. And they debate all sorts of crazy things. So if you liked that episode, be sure to check out Intrigue Explained wherever you get your podcasts or at the link in the show notes. We'll be back to our regular scheduled programming next week with an awesome interview with a distinguished general ready to go on Friday. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you on Monday.